Hi, everyone, and thanks so much for joining us for this podcast, Adventures of the Awakened Heart. My name is Julie Tara, and I'll be your host here. And if you want to learn more about me, you can look at the links below. And the reason for doing this podcast is I felt a real calling um, at this time in life that, that we are really being asked to move into our heart more and more and express our lives from the heart. So that's, that's why this podcast, and today I'm super excited to be interviewing a fabulous friend of mine. Her name is Amanda Romania, and let me tell you just a little about Amanda, and then we'll get going. So Amanda is a visionary author, healer, speaker, and teacher of metaphysics. She specializes in spiritual mentorship and individual and collective empowerment and evolution. Her initiation work brings forward the understanding of how cosmic and universal energy can be applied to everyday life experiences, and most importantly, to create a positive global imprint. Amanda offers personal session work, and let me tell you, it's fantastic. She's done it with me. I love, love her and love the work. She does sacred journeys and in-depth training programs as well. She can be found in her Atlantis Metaphysical Center in Sedona, Arizona, or on one of her journeys to sacred lands and temple sites around the world. So welcome, Amanda. I am thrilled that we get to have this time together. Thank you so much. Thank you, Julie, and hi, and welcome to everyone watching this. Um, I'm here live from Sedona, Arizona, and the sun is shining, so I'm sending all that good energy out to you. I love that. Sedona is one of my favorite pieces on the pl places on the planet, along with the Boulder, Colorado, where I live. So I feel like we're in sort of sister sister cities, if you will. And um, so let's just get going. Let's talk a little bit first about Gaia. You're part of the Gaia community. This is how you and I met in Sedona at a beautiful event down there. And uh, we were next to each other and we just got on like a house on fire um, in a good sense. So at, as part of the Gaia community, what's really helped you the most? What has been the, the best assets of being part of this community? Thank you, Julie. So what I love about Gaia and about the community is the main word that I came through with was the diversity and that it covers these ancient aspects of the past. It's present, but it also covers things of the future. So what I love about it is that I can go at any stage in my normal life, in my spiritual journey, and if I have a question or I need to review something, I can go to Gaia TV, I can go to the community and I can find some information, some support, some guidance. And I just feel that, um, as you mentioned, I work in the Akashic Records. And for me, Gaia is a mini representation of the Akashic Records. So I do hold it in high esteem. Wow, that's a brilliant way to put it. I never thought of it like that. I, I often think of it like the Alexander Library or like a university for the soul. Um, but I, I never thought of it in that way with the Akashic Records. I really love that. Um, yeah. It what is I love very diverse. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. No, sorry. Uh, because for me, when I'm, I do mini classes, I do advanced classes, and then I'm taking sacred journeys. And sometimes you're receiving information and you're thinking, is this true? Is it valid? Where's this coming from? And it's it's all from that universal energy. 
And when I go to Gaia, I will often find that there are facts and science and information that not only backs what I'm feeling and thinking, it actually starts a question and answer with me because I'm an Aries with Aquarius rising. So my Aries has to know and it has to be grounded, the tangible. And then my Aquarius aspect is like, oh, okay, where are we in the universe? So for me, Gaia is that stability. And I'm here in Sedona, which I consider a metaphysical um, university. And you're totally right. Colorado, we're like sister areas. So for me, Gaia is another um, aspect of the university that I can go to and I can direct people to go to because I believe in the integrity and the credibility of it. Beautifully said. And, you know, I know when I when I met you, I, I immediately felt that you were such an old soul and I immediately felt that I wanted to know you like it was instant. Like, who is this amazing woman I, I want? to know her, I want to be her friend. You know, I really felt that very strongly when we met. So so let's talk about your awakening. My imagination is that you probably felt awakened your entire life, um, but how has that been for you? This, you know, when do you think it started your spiritual awakening? So for me, Julie, it was being a child working then, my first jobs were in retail, and what I thought was that I was just extremely emotionally intelligent. I could read people, I could understand a situation. And then as I went through into the 90s, and I had a near-death experience in 1994. And for me, it was, um, I lost, I miscarried a baby. Um, and it was so much more because what I've come to understand is that with our bodies, when we're carrying these new souls, we're moving through the dimensions energetically. And I wasn't quite aware that that was happening. I was having dreams, insight. And then all of a sudden, I'm in this really difficult, life-threatening um, situation where literally I'm on a medical table and I hear the doctor saying, if we don't put her out, she'll not stay with us. And it was at that point, my soul began to move between dimensions and body fully. Now, of course, it's 1994, I'm married, I've got retail jobs. I hadn't really understood what was going on, but I know from personal experience that lots of other people had awakenings during that time. So I think it was my time. I think there was a cosmic alignment and I came back and nothing was the same. I was the same person, but for two, three weeks, um, I kind of didn't recognize people. And it wasn't that I had a walk-in experience, it was a full wake up. So that when I did have another little one in 1996, I had my daughter, everything changed. And I chose a different reality. I became, um, I divorced my husband. I was a single mom, business owner. And then I found something called the detox and Glastonbury and healing and the flower of life. And my life began, began to make some sense again. So it was this period of 
six years of trying to find myself and spirituality thankfully found me. Um, my past life friends and family found me and I started my journey from there. But unfortunately it did start with um, a tragedy and a moving experience that I'll never ever forget. But I understand that that was something that was in my soul path and my soul contracts. You know, this is really a powerful story of really going to the depths and coming back up like a like a phoenix. And we've never talked about our children. I have three children and I didn't even know you had a daughter. So it's just lovely to hear. And but I never knew this uh, experience that you'd had. And it's a very, very sobering experience, of course, for any for any woman. I, I think it's probably the most difficult experience to go through is losing a child and uh, I'm so sorry to hear that it makes me quite emotional I have to say I because I didn't know you had gone through that and this was 1994 and I'm thinking back to 94 and and seeing yeah I had a sort of breakthrough time of 94 a real bottoming out and then a coming forward into a new period of life so I think you're right there's something was going on at that time and also just to tap back into what you said you know we both have Aquarius rising which I forgot you know so we're, we're both very interested in the same kind of things and in a global impact um, and obviously for you I would say this is a huge area where your heart just it just kind of awoke in a new way that hadn't before um, so let's, yeah, let's delve in deeply into other stories that you have of your life, because I know you're so sentient. I, I want to hear like what other kind of awakenings have you had? So the next awakenings kind of started in the year 2000, where I think like many people, um, we hit this point where we think I've got to do a reset where can I go? What can I do? And for me, I went down to a place in Glastonbury and I decided to do a three-day detox. And of course, I had no idea what detox really meant. Um, I was still thinking it was in the spa environment. And I met my teacher and mentor. Uh, she was a lady called Isis in Glastonbury. And at first, because it was Christmas time, no one else was there. And I just was with this nice older lady and she was talking about some spiritual things, but we got to really meet and connect on a heart level. And I think about her as being one of my grandmothers and it was really quite sweet. And the next time I went back, there's a workshop group and we're doing the Flower of Life workshop and people are doing drum circles and singing bowls. And I kind of didn't know what or where to be. And my teacher just kept saying, go into your heart, go into your heart. And as soon as I went into the heart and I didn't judge, I was observing, I felt safe. Um, I was able to interact with these people that had been training and working for many, many years, masters in their own rights. And there was little me um, trying to grasp everything with my academic brain. And then when I released it and kind of just settled into the heart, it was like I could breathe again. And it was that breathing. And from the breathing came this consciousness. And at that point, I started to be able to understand other dimensions and energy 
and a lot of my psychic gifts began to come back. So the heart was so important and I'm so glad that my teacher started me there because it was like an opening and a layering of something that I know is ancient wisdom. I know it comes from way, way back that that was one of the first things we were taught in the mystery schools, how to awaken the heart. This is so interesting to hear you talk about this because it really is a whole other place. Like when we shift from the mind, not that we don't love to use the mind, but when we shift the locus, if you will, of, of not even control, but the, but the sort of, uh, it's, it's, it's like, I always feel like the mind is the servant of the heart, you know, it's not the ruler. And if we rule from the mind, we're, we, we really get ourselves in trouble, I think. But if we shift that dimensional space into going from coming from the heart, it, it's like another universe, another whole other place. I, I really want to talk about this. Like what, how does that even work? Can you can you put word to it? It's a, it's a because we can feel it, right? We know when someone's really in their heart with us, and, and we know when they're in their head. We we can almost feel that shift and that jump. So say more about this because it's such a very important thing at this time. Because I, I feel we're being called here so strongly. So the example that comes to mind is uh, September two thousand and four. And I had a beautiful American friend. Um, she really was the example of living in the heart. And she was a beautiful lady called Rhonda Fleming. And she lived in a place called Buckland Hall in Wales. And it was a totally, at that time, organic, um, beautiful house where they did retreats. And one day she said, I have to go and visit with the sacred grandmothers in California. And will you come with me? And my heart said, yes. So I booked my ticket. And certain things on this journey was that she was inviting me, but unfortunately she could not come. So there I am, stood in Heathrow Airport, thinking I've got to go to the other place in the world, go to California, up some mountain, and connect with these sacred grandmothers. I don't know the words, I don't know, I don't know what to do, but something in my heart said, get on the plane. So I got on the plane and what I found was that because my heart had kind of relaxed, I told myself, if I, if I don't go anywhere, I'm just going to go and look at the um, homes of the stars and do a Hollywood trip. And it was at that point, I remember coming downstairs and saying to the um, concierge, do you know this address? And she said, oh, that address, this gentleman here is going. And I looked and here's this gentleman in a safari suit. And he said, oh, you must be the girl from England, Rhonda's friend. And I said, yes. And he said, Oh, come and meet the grandmothers. They're having breakfast. So there I am going out onto the terrace at the Marriott and there's all these beautiful grandmothers all having breakfast, just like women, talking about their children and their families. And we had a grandmother, Maori, Hopi, 
Polynesian, South African, there they all are, just having breakfast. And I sat with them and because it was in that heart space and I wasn't, and who are you and what do you do? And just, you know, passing the coffee, um, moving the plate, smiling at the waitress. There was nothing else to be said. It was just a frequency that by the time we got up to Big Bay, they turned to Rupert and they said, the little one, she can stay with us. So I got to live in the cabin with all these sacred grandmothers. And we had visitors in the spirit world coming through. I'd open the door, people were praying outside. And there was me in a little pink jumpsuit. And I'd been able to come and shift into this world because I didn't want or need to take anything from it. My heart was just open holding space and the grandmothers could feel that vibration. And one of them grandmothers can create a whole gathering of 50 to 100 people at a time. But you put six of them together and many people made the journey. So that's one of my examples where synchronistic events, interesting events, but because you're in the heart, you don't have any agenda. There's no agenda saying, do this, do that, get this, get that. And for me, that was a life-changing experience. It, it's life-changing to hear about it. It actually makes me very emotional because I, I feel like we are gathering right now in the feminine, the divine feminine, is 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 rising in this most wonderful way and it's so like that where it's the grandmothers and there's nothing to do but there's a place of being and it, it's it's reminding me of like doors of perception you know Aldous Huxley's you know like it's like you step through a, another doorway and and it's the reality you always knew existed but maybe we're not always quite sure how to enter but you entered just by not having an agenda and then they could feel it and they could accept you fully, which of course they would, because I know who you are and you are that person. They would just say, of course you can stay with us. How long were you with them? It was just for, it was just for seven days. Yes. And I would sneak cookies in for them. I would brush their hair. I would massage their feet. And then their assistants would come in and say, you can't touch the grandmothers. But the grandmothers would giggle and they would share stories and they would say i was hungry in the night and i had a cookie and it was just those things that growing up in england um my family was from a working class family um we lived in a small house in northern england on a number 33 of course um which for me means safe space always and I had all these aunts. My mom was one of seven girls with three brothers. And I just remember my aunts and my grandmothers being just very, very sweet and humble ladies. And I was very blessed that I grew up in that um, environment. Um, it wasn't privilege, but it was very, very loving. It sounds like it. And so you knew how to bring all of that to this to this seven day event. The sweetness of, of just being that that grounded kind person that, that does provide the water or the 
you know, the cookies and whatever. I, I really love that. I mean, I, I just love that about, and I am a grandmother now of four children. In fact, it's my youngest grandson's birthday today. He's just turned one today. Oh, precious. Yes, yes. and it, it really is precious. And I do feel that the, the wisdom councils of the world are gathering, especially with these sort of women's groups and not just grandmothers either but but there's these wisdom groups of, of women are you seeing that more and more yes i'm seeing more collective groups i'm seeing more supportive groups what i'm also loving is a lot of these um new mom and mother groups um that know how to balance the different worlds and I always think that social networking is a representation of the Akashic Records. And with social networking, this is giving them a platform that they don't have to necessarily leave their day, that they can just click on a button and they have this community that's supporting them and knowing what they're going through. So I'm loving that this is a field of area that people are able to integrate. And I think that this is a movement that is growing into this new Aquarian age. I love it too. I think you're absolutely right. And I see my own daughter, you know, being part of those groups and stuff online mostly, especially now, of course, during this time period. But it is exciting to see the women gathering together and not being so isolated and, and really sharing wisdom. And so, I mean, clearly this seven day experience you had must have I mean, how has that changed your entire life trajectory? I would imagine that it would. Well, I came back from that, like I said, it was 2004. And by 2005, it was an end of a cycle for me. So what that meant was you shift into this world and you find your purpose, you find your calling with that. And for me, that was my retail businesses, my daughter, and then my sacred journey work, which that was how I started as a, an apprentice for my teacher, doing two, three journeys to Egypt every year. And it's crazy when I look back and think of the amount of money that was spent and the time, but if I hadn't have bought that ticket, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. And I know that's not for everybody, but in my lifetime, I know that part of my work started after that journey with the grandmothers and every year thinking how can i grow with this how can i serve with this and it just evolved from there well you had mentioned the word synchronicity and i i feel like that's very appropriate when when we're getting more and closer to our destiny these doors fly open and the synchronicities happen faster and faster and in fact in some of the other um podcasts that i've been doing on this it, we've talked about that a lot especially with the women they really notice it you know keenly so so let's then talk about because that's amazing you went to egypt three times you know in one year to 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 be you know with your mentor and then you took it on and and i just want to say you know because we're both entrepreneurs and and i feel like you're a very empowered woman you've you've taken on your destiny and you've really developed it so beautifully i i want to hear more about that let's where did this go? How did this change your whole life? Because I know it did, clearly. 
Well, it started again. I was um, in 2010, I was doing, I completed my business masters with Durham University. And I'd been part of women's entrepreneur program. So I'd been guiding other business owners. I called it kitchen table economics. How do you take care of yourself, bring abundance in, always traveling on the abundance, taking care of your family. So these were normal energetic frequencies and ways that I brought into practical aspects. So I was often called in with local business women where their business had hit a wall or they were struggling themselves. And because of my spiritual perspective was able to help and assist them to move through that. So it was different to life coaching because it had energy behind it in a certain way that I didn't at that time know what it was. Um, now I know that we were clearing a lot of their records, their past lives, present lives, their karma, and it just opened things through. So I began to see that that was a way that you could work with business. And in 2010, I was doing my business doctorate and they told me, no, 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 uh, this is religion. You need to go to the theology department. We love having you in our doctorate classes. It was a traditional business school, but we don't quite understand the words that you're using. Because I was saying, what happens with the heart of the business? The business doesn't have a heart, I was told. But what about the consciousness of the business? No, there's no consciousness, it's just a business. And I kept hitting these brick walls that now I have corporate um, people calling me going, oh, the heart of the business is challenged and they're using these words. And it's interesting that it's 10 years later that I'm able to explain where that comes from. So now I help bridge those worlds where recently it was very interesting. I was working with someone and I said, the owner passed. And she said, yes, he passed from this certain disease. And what I realized was that everything in that business had that disease. And this lady is there giving her heart and her soul and helping because she was a survivor of the disease. And we hadn't made that correlation before. And I said, everything that this business struggles with stems from the energetic pulse of when it and why it was started, which was the heart of it. This was why this person started it. This was where this person went through that decline. So with businesses and energy and spiritual economics, I think there's this whole new revolution that's kind of coming and starting for us. And again, we have to watch that awakened heart. This gives me great hope what you're saying, because I absolutely feel that this is where we're going with corporations more and more. And I belong to two major corporations that I, you know, we talk a lot about the heart and the consciousness of, of both of those. One, of course, is Gaia and, and the other one is my healing um, business. And, and in fact, I talked to the president yesterday and we talked a lot about the heart and the inception of that business from the man who was a very spiritually evolved human being. Mm -hmm. You know, so, and when you use the word spiritual economics, it reminds me of that fantastic book by Eric Butterworth, which probably you've read called Spiritual Economics. It, it just, that book, I used to use it so often when I would go teach in Eastern Europe and stuff and just talk about spiritual economics. And 
I, I just feel a great sense of hope when you speak about this because we, we need to go in this direction. And in fact, this morning, uh, I put something on LinkedIn from Simon Sinek about trust and team building and how critical trust is. If we don't have trust, and that's often trust in the heart's volition in what, what is this really all about? Is this just about making money or is this really about service in the world? And uh, so, I mean, thank you for bringing all this up. It, it just brings up a, a lot uh, that, that just thrills me and probably that Aquarian rising part of me too. Like, yes, this is what we need to take this out to the world so much more. Thank you. Thanks, Julie. Um, yeah, because I think a lot of people, when they think about the heart, it goes into love, romance and relationships. And it's not because it's a pulse of everything that's moving. And I think you're so right about this trust and this trust aspect. And where I feel that that comes from is that on evolution levels, we come through at different timelines and we take on lessons, which for me, a lot of you're in my age group, we came through around this indigo wave, um, you know, the 60s, the 70s, even a little bit into the 80s, which were now in positions where with the indigo wave was about truth and trust. Can we truly be here and present? Can we trust our higher selves? Can we be in our true hearts? And I feel that that's that level of consciousness that we're asking these questions and not just asking them, it's, well, how do I show up with that? That's where my Aries kicks in. Um, I've got 10 elements in fire. So this is where I I want to move the energy. I just have to be careful I don't burn out, which is sometimes my mistake. I'll sometimes uh, try to do too many things. And then I end up where I'm exhausted and I have to take some time out. And basically it's having conquer that balance that's probably been one of my biggest lessons in the last few years yes because you're such an enthusiastic soul and it, it's like you just whoa you just want to come out and do your thing and 10 planets in fire that's that's a lot <laughs> that's that's really I know. a lot to deal with <laughs> i know uh, my astrologer um she'll say to me well you've only yourself to blame and i'll say okay give me some direction for the next six to eight weeks and it's in that but once i understood that that was my element core and i understood that that's how my heart actually worked then i could apply myself and move energy shift energy but i also know that that's where i do need the sunlight i need the sunshine um, i need the vitamin d um, to help me do what it is that i want to do in my life and that's about a balance now my intention for 2021 was how can I be in a balanced state where it's not just all work? Where am I making some self-care time and showing up for um, friends and family? Because 2020, we weren't able to see them. We had different birthdays, different celebrations. Um, I haven't been able to go back to England to see my family. I talked to them on Zoom, but in that time, it made me realize just where my heart actually is. 
Yes, and, and both of us, of course, being English, I'm from Cambridge, you're from the northern part, and I always feel like part of my heart is always, always over in England. Um, you know, I just want to say, I want to pick up on just the, the fire element, because I, I do a lot of dream work, and I talked with one of my dream mentors the other day, we were talking about the firebird, and how you can ride the firebird for a while, but you can't ride the firebird forever because you burn out. And I've certainly seen that in my own work, you know, as an entrepreneur and a leader, where I, I, I just pushed it so hard that I really burned out after, you know, a few years. And so I also have to find that balance because I do get so excited about our future. So let's talk about our future and what does your heart you know, vision, say about our future. Where do you see us going? What's going on? Okay, so putting it simply, we were on that 2000 years of Pisces. And then in the last four months, we've really shifted and accelerated into this Aquarian aspect. Aquarian aspect is humanitarian, brotherhood, sisterhood. And it's bringing through those aspects in the air. This is why everything's gone digital. COVID was a wake up call. And we work here in Sedona with a lot of the Hopi, um, the elders, and they're telling us this is not just one incident. It may come as other waves. So it's a wake up call for self care. And for me, the mask wearing was all about me taking responsibility for the air that I breathe in and out, the words and things that I share. So I switched it where I wasn't afraid of it anymore um, because I'd go to shops, I'd just put a mask on and I would watch the girls, the cashiers, because that was me one time. And I'd watch them just relax. So they'd be like, oh, this is okay. And I'm like, how can I, help with this so there's this humanitarian wave coming now i will be honest my i have a group of oracle students and the oracles bring through the visions of the future and there are nine possibilities out there three most obvious and the oracles we are trained to pick up the most probable so where there's this elevation of humanitarian self-care taking care of families. We're all going to kind of find where we're living in these different times, which we can't go back into that Piscean age. So we may find that things are simpler, cleaner. Um, we do have to be very aware of what is coming through the airwaves. So in 2030, 2035, a lot of my students saw that there may be certain disruptions. In 2045, we're seeing where we're kind of rising from that. What a lot of people were noticing three, four years ago was not where we were going to have these disasters happening, but we were going to have these internal challenges. And these internal challenges would create social situations where people had to say, stop, enough, I'm going into my heart, I'm taking this time. This is why on our phones, meditation apps, um, consciousness apps, Gaia. Gaia came at such the perfect time. It was almost as if they knew. So it's carrying these things through on the digital aspect. Money, cryptocurrencies, 
they went crazy over Christmas when we started to bring in that um, Aquarian consciousness, especially around the December solstice. January, I know we had a lot of events, especially in the United States. That was all about people clearing their karma of the American revolutions, the wars and times of people going, we can't have this confusion anymore. And this is nothing about who you want or who you vote for. It's about you choosing where you wish to be. And therefore, this puts us on a different trajectory. Because I'll be honest, Julie, people have said to me, oh, you know, this business needs to get started. This pipeline needs to be built. And what we've seen in 100 years is where those areas, because we've remote viewed into them and we've dreamt into them. And at the moment, they're still like this. So we're kind of hoping that, like we always say, we can tip that consciousness scale for the future. For me, for spirituality, for our communities, for the people that we work with, we serve. If you're a practitioner out there, there has never been a better time to get on with your purpose and work because the spiritual energy and community is starting to really come online where people need to have that hope and belief and things and people such as Gaia, the Gaia community, the ambassadors like yourself, they're opening these doors to say, hey, come and think like this, come and look like this, if you choose with your own free will. So I'm excited about this. I know we're not out of the woods yet. My English practicability um, and sensibility tells me that still there's much more work that we can do. Um, but yes, there's never been a better time. This is coming into our golden age. Beautifully said. I feel like a lot of us feel like this was the time we were born for this time, even though it's not an easy time, but there's such a revolution going on within, right? There's such a reevaluation of our, of our value system and what really matters now and how to move forward. And, and it feels to me like it's very much sort of a step by step, like, like the universe reveals that next step, but it doesn't, it's not revealing the whole, the whole nine yards, shall we say, it's just that next step. And so it's a lot, it requires a lot of faith. I'll take this one next step, just like you did when you got on the plane, you know, and you came to visit with the grandmothers, it was like just that next step and seeing where that takes you. Um, have you noticed that with others or is, is that just me feeling that way? But I certainly feel that way right now. No, um, what's been interesting is through this whole 2020 shift, because a lot of people have not been able to travel outside the United States, they have sought to come to certain areas and Sedona is one of the areas people have sought to come for answers, support, connection, and they come to us and they walk through the door and they start to cry. It's like this homecoming. And I always say, welcome home, welcome to Sedona, you're on sacred land. And for a lot of people, because they're making that shift, that's all they need. Then they can go back to their homes and their works and their lives. 
They don't have to sit in meditation all day. They're contributing in their communities, but they're doing it from another perspective of their hearts that no one needs to talk about. They just need to feel. I love this, what you're saying. And I feel like this welcome home, this makes me, ah, because I feel that with Gaia too. It's a community, even though it's, it's in 185 countries, right? It's all over the world, but it's really saying fundamentally welcome home. Mm-hmm. to the things you always wondered about, but nobody maybe verified or supported, you know, as you grew up. And it's, it's just this very simple welcome home because once we feel we're home in the heart and that we belong, it, it all shifts because there's so much isolation and alienation. And so many people have friends and family that don't ascribe to the Akashic records or to the soul's journey. You know, they're just not, they're just not vibrating there. And so there's, there's that sense of aloneness. Like, am I the only one that, you know, feels like maybe I didn't come from earth ultimately, you know, prior and so forth. And, and so when you find your people, it is incredibly heartening, incredibly important. And uh, it, I'm so glad you say that because that's how I feel with, with, with just with guys. Like that's why I created the social, you know, the guy community on Facebook It's just like, welcome home, welcome home. And maybe this is your, you resonate with this piece or this piece or the yoga or the whatever. And it's okay. Cause it's home. Yeah. It's big. So gosh, everything you've shared today i feel so connected with and always so connected with you so what would you say to our listeners that would really you know maybe perhaps like a golden nugget that you would bring of of everything because i know you have such a wealth of experience and and sacred knowledge and and inner knowing and and you're so awake um what would you say would help them the most out of everything right here, right now? Here we are. It's April the 2nd, 2021. Where are we going and what could they do? Is it a meditation? What is it? So one of the frequencies that I always teach um, my students is the act of permission, giving yourself permission to access a higher consciousness, the higher journey to explore. You don't need to go on a plane or a train. You can explore some consciousness. You can explore these certain aspects, but there is something at this time of beingness, of helping, supporting and growing and journaling this through so that your journey that is so precious and needed at this time. We come from billions of stars out there. We pick up all these different energies and therefore you may never get this chance to have this journey here on this Earth Gaia home again Um, because you may ascend and may go do other things So it's about giving yourself permission to be here and take every moment uh, with gratitude and a blessing. I know there's lessons, I know there's challenges, I've faced them myself. But there's something about that frequency of permission that stops us judging ourselves or um, I ate this last night or I said this yesterday. I'll take responsibility, but I'm giving myself permission to be here today. I, I really love this. And uh, it's interesting to hear you say that because 
<clears throat> I grew up in Cambridge with a mother who was considered mentally ill and then a sister with mental illness. So when I used to hear voices, <clears throat> I never told anybody. I was like, I am absolutely not telling anybody that I'm hearing very positive voices, always mm -hmm. saying it's going to be all right and you're going to be in America and you have work to do here and all of that. And so, you know, I just love, I love what you're saying about permission, because I, I think for a while I didn't give myself permission because I was scared. Where's this going to take me? Where are these voices going to take me? And will I become mentally ill like my mom? You know, although actually I think it was just all the drugs that they were giving her that made her pretty unstable, you know? So, so I, I really hear what you're saying for myself personally. And I hope everybody listening is, is hearing it too, to give yourself permission to go to those higher realms and, and get the lessons and the guidance so that we can really step in fully in the moment. And, and, and we're human, you know, we're, we're making mistakes. Um, we just had, uh, you know, a very big tragedy last week here in Boulder. And, uh, it was very, very hard for all of us to take a, an unexpected shooting. And, uh, and, and I wrote this poem about it, about, you know, the angels weeping and, and the premise of the poem is we're beautiful and we're broken. And if we don't take on the brokenness of one individual who did a terrible thing and, 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 and see the shadow side of us, of, you know, when have I ever felt that? upset or angry at somebody whatever or that disenfranchised or that lost or that alienated you know it was that that premise and then just put it out uh, two days ago actually and people have been commenting just like it just makes me cry I'm just crying and I think it's really good because I couldn't cry about the shooting for a few days it, it was such a shock and then writing the poem allowed this the tears to just flow and flow and flow about being here, knowing that maybe we can't, you know, come from another place, but that we're, we're human and we're beautiful and we suffer. And that the, you know, what it, what is that, that allows the heart to break open more that we suffer and we witness suffering. And then we can hopefully, you know, help heal more. Like, I, I think that might be Kuan Yin behind you, but mm. is that Kuan Yin? You know, yeah. That, goddess of compassion and and you compassion and mercy yes and you exemplify that and uh so yeah i just i just want to thank you so much for for being here on this podcast with me i i, I feel so grateful and and so open in my heart to you as i always have and and hopefully everyone hearing this will you know hear the the beauty and the brilliance of what you bring forward and uh, they'll feel your compassion and your mercy. I know that for sure, because I, I always feel it when I'm with you. Oh, thank you, Julie. You're such a kind, kind lady. Yes, this is Kuan Yin. Um, it was her birthday this week. Um, and I teach in China um, quite a lot. So she's uh, my guidance. So that's why she's kind of over my shoulder there. I love that. When is her birthday? I didn't know. It was two days ago, I think. Oh, um yeah my um my friends and family over in china and singapore um messaged to remind me that it was her honoring so she's um i'm actually teaching in china tonight so that's why she's here with us but i'm sure that she's sending love out as well 
I love that. And actually, it's my, my youngest daughter's birthday. It was two days ago. And I have Kuan Yin sitting outside in the royal pose, in her royal pose. She's one of my favorites. Of course, I have Tara as my, you know, goddess of compassion that I, I pray to a lot mm -hmm. um, as well. But actually, I, I do pray a lot to the Divine Mother in all her forms and uh, ask her to be with us and bless, bless us and bring us grace. So I feel blessed to be with you today. Thank you so much for your time. And I love you and I love the work you're doing. Thank you for everything of who you are in this world and what you do. Thank you, Julie, and lots and lots of love and blessings to everyone out there that's watching this and sharing some time with us. It's an absolute honor and a privilege. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. And we'll put links below and please join our Gaia community so that you also can be part of this amazing awakening tribe at this time. Bye for now.